enjoyed worldwide, relied on, coveted, perfected, commodified, traded, made quickly, made slowly. Today, we're talking about coffee. We're going to explore this brown bean juice that makes the world go round all the way from seed to sip. have a bit of an affinity for coffee. Not your two cups a day, double-double, don't talk to me before I've had my coffee, kind of a, an affinity. No, I happen to have spent three years in my life working at a third wave coffee shop. More on that later. Perfecting the art of coffee. It was the kind of place where the cup you hold in your hand can be traced all the way back to its origin. This is the place my interest and knowledge changed from knowing I want some caffeine to knowing about the vast and intricate world of this hot beverage. So let's dive in. Let's explore this cup of coffee from seed to sip. Before we talk about the coffee itself, we need to clear up some terminology. Have you ever heard of the waves of coffee shops? We've got first, second, and third waves. Some debate a fourth, but we're not going to get into that. When we think first wave coffee, we think commodity coffee. It doesn't try to convince you that the grounds are special or traceable. First wave coffee in America traces its roots way back to the 1800s, when business folks saw a market for coffee that was affordable and ready for the pot. Think Folgers, Maxwell House, cheap grocery store brands, and gas station coffee. This is also the wave in which instant coffee resides. There's no mention of the origin country or farm. There's no information on how the coffee was processed, but there's a major focus on convenience and speed. Next, we've got the second wave. Consumers expressed a desire to know the origin of their coffee and understand the roasting styles and brew styles of what will now be called specialty coffee. This knowledge added to the enjoyment of coffee as an experience rather than just a beverage at home. Coffee vocabulary began to change with the second wave. Words like espresso, latte, French press became common among lovers of this quote-unquote specialty coffee. The downfall of the second wave, however, is that it lost its way. It started to forsake the source of the bean and the quality of the coffee for the experience of drinking it. Cue the jazz music, the sexy lighting, and sugary syrups. Coffee shops became big business, luring customers to their, to their shop to drink their favorite coffee beverage. Of course, the leading lady of this whole phenomenon was Starbucks. They pioneered what was once considered specialty coffee drinks in the U.S. by mixing espresso shots with sweet, flavorful syrups and other ingredients in creative ways that America hadn't really seen before. The emphasis wasn't really on the coffee, but the creativity of the drink the friendly baristas, and the overall experience. Other popular second wave shops are Second Cup, Caribou Coffee, Pete's Coffee, and the like. And lastly, the third wave. Starting in the early 2000s, the third wave of coffee is focused on coffee lovers interested in the character of the coffee itself. Strip back the syrup and the sugar. It headed up a new emphasis on transparency within the coffee industry, where consumers can trace the origin of their favorite cup 
to the very farm from which it was harvested. Even things like soil, altitude, method of processing are now written on the bags of coffee themselves. Bean origin, brew method, small and perfected menus, and knowledgeable baristas are all major components of third wave shops. The majority of roasters and coffee shops associated with the third wave are small businesses, independently owned and operated. Two of the biggest names in the third wave are Intelligentsia Coffee and Tea out of Chicago and Stumptown Coffee Roasters out of Portland. But looking closer to home, our Winnipeg third wave shops are Tom Bargain Coffee and Tea, Make Coffee, Fourth, Fools and Horses, Parlor Coffee, and Little Sister Coffee Maker the last of which was my employer. There's probably some that I missed as coffee culture in Winnipeg is booming and there seems to be a new one to go visit pretty often. But let's get into this actual cup of coffee, shall we? Today I'm sipping on a cup of Colombian coffee from Dogwood, brewed using a Fetco at Parlor Coffee. The coffee is titled... El Meridiano, named after its group of growers in Colombia. I'll read to you what was on the back of the bag. El Meridiano exhibits high and low flavor notes, with just the right amount of creamy vanilla toffee in the base to balance out the bright fruit flavors. This coffee is produced by members of the Association de Productores de Café Especial del Alto Sal. Dana, <laughs> or Asocias, which is its shortened version. Most of the growers are small holder producers, wet milling their coffee with small, sometimes hand-cranked depulpers, traditionally fermenting coffee in tanks and drying on rooftops or in greenhouses. We've been buying coffee from El Meridiano Group for a number of years now. It's always been one of our favorite coffees. Oh, isn't this fun? In the next five minutes, you will learn exactly what all this means. But this is a perfect example of what I was describing before, talking about the third wave coffee shops. They pride themselves in relationship and in complete transparency of the origin of their coffee. Not just where it was grown, but how it was processed and even the group of people who grew it. So first stop, the seed. A term you often see thrown around is Arabica coffee, which refers to the species of coffee plant. Arabica makes up most of the coffee produced each year worldwide, grown specifically between the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer. There are over 120 other species of coffee, but really all you need to know about is Arabica because of how it dominates the market due to reliability, growth, taste, and price. First, coffee farms raids seedlings before planting them out on the farm for production. A coffee farmer typically has to wait three years before a newly planted tree produces fruit properly. It's a long wait. Next, the trees flower once a year, triggered by the area's wet season. Arabica is able to self-pollinate, so the flowers become fruit without relying on bees. Have you ever seen the fruit of a coffee plant? They are grape-sized red berries that look similar, similar to cranberries. Inside the coffee cherry hides the coffee seed, or the coffee bean as we know it. It takes up to nine months until the fruit is ripe enough to harvest. Again, another huge wait. Coffee is no rushed process. The cherries are then harvested either by hand, by machine, or by branch at a time. The beans are sorted, 
again, either by hand or by using a water method that sep separates ripe from unripe using weight differences. So there we have it, seed to cherry. Perhaps we are a third of the way through the process. So next is the processing. How a coffee is processed after harvest can dramatically affect the product, so it has become more and more important in the describing and selling process. Coffee beans are taken to a wet mill to separate the beans from the cherry flesh and then dried so that they're safe for storing. And there are three main ways to process the beans. The natural, pulped, or washed methods. The details are unimportant. What matters most is that in each method, there's a different order of stripping the beans, drying them, and washing them, each yielding a different kind of product. Next up, the beans are graded based on color, size, and quality, and then bagged and shipped away. This bag of beans that I'm drinking from was traded through what is known as relationship coffee trading, where the producer and the roaster have an ongoing relationship. My boss at Little Sister Coffee Maker, Vanessa Statue, is one of the owners of Dogwood Coffee, and she actually met the growers of this exact coffee last year on a trip to Columbia while she was visiting all of her growers. So now we've covered cherry to bean in the hands of the roaster. So the, all that's left is roasting and brewing. Can't be too hard, can it? Roasting the coffee beans is one of the most fascinating, intricate, and scientific aspects of the coffee industry. It takes a green coffee bean, which has almost no flavor beyond tasting like a plant, and transforms it into an incredible, aromatic, complex, nutty, fruity, whatever it is, cup of coffee. To simplify this whole process, it's easy enough to categorize coffee roasting as light, medium, and dark, as you've seen in almost any coffee shop in the, in the whole world. Roasting the beans goes beyond just the amount of time it's spent in the roaster, but also the humidity, the speed, the temperature, and, and onwards. Each of these aspects has a huge impact on the flavor and the final product of the coffee bean. But let's be real, I'm no coffee roaster. If you're interested in learning more about roasting, I would highly recommend that you take a visit to Dogwood Coffee Roasters located in the back of Fourth Cafe on McDermott and talk to the roasters themselves. You'll see them roasting coffee twice a week, every week. You can smell it, you can watch it, see it happening real time. So we've made it. We're left with a beautifully roasted bag of beans sitting right here in front of me. Now how do we make this into the cup of hot liquid we've been dreaming of? In the case of this coffee that I'm drinking today, it was made using an electric filter machine method, or a drip as we fondly call it. The machine that the fine folks at Parlor use to brew this is called a Fetco, which is exactly the same machine that we used at Little Sister and can be found at most Winnipeg coffee shops known for consistency, reliability, and speed, which is of course ideal in busy coffee shop scenarios. However, due to the consistency found in the water temperature, water pressure, grind, and dosage of coffee, it can yield remarkably accurate cups of coffee time and time again, even though you're making huge batches at a time. This is where science and convenience meet in a really awesome way. Coffee connoisseurs may argue that a good cup of coffee must be brewed one cup at a time, such as methods like espresso, aeropress, or chemex. 
but really batch brew has come so long it is now one of the best forms of coffee found in third wave coffee shops okay so my coffee's cold now (laughs) i think i've covered it all we've covered from seed to cherry to bean to roasting to brewing and to sip so my job is done here I hope you learned something new about coffee and have a new appreciation for the cup you may or may not enjoy every morning. Cheers! Cheers.